Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Story, but, but Easter's had a whole bunch of different stories in my life. And on Wednesday night I had the privilege of being at home with my wife and we decided to watch a movie together. And I just saw that Russell Crowe was acting in the movie, and it's kind of like an unwritten rule. If Russell Crowe from Gladiator is in a movie, a guy has to watch that movie. It's kind of, do you know that rule? Don't know that rule. It's a good rule. And, um, but it's a movie of, called The Next Three Days, and it's this incredible rescue mission. I love rescue mission stories. I love stories like the guy who said, actually, it doesn't matter that you stole me out of house and home. I'm going to show you grace. I'm going to show you love. And each time Jacques brought his finger up to the camera and says, I'm going to show you grace. I'm going to show you love. I felt the piercing of heaven breaking in to the smallness of my heart sometimes in those situations. But this movie is about a man whose wife gets falsely accused and falsely convicted of a crime she didn't commit and ends up in jail for her life. And she begins to consider suicide as hopelessness was in her heart. And he has one option in life, and it's to break his wife out of jail, high security jail. And he's got a little boy, and his whole mission, and the essence of the whole movie boils down to this, a father wants his family back. You know what Easter boils down to? A father wants his children back. Easter is a rescue mission like no other. A story of an amazing father who paid the highest price, and a bridegroom who paid the highest price for his bride. So that he could have her back. Here's the thing about Easter that we have to get. And if we don't get this, Easter doesn't make sense. Good Friday is just a a reason for the church to gather because they don't have anything else to do. And it's not that. But Romans 3 says this, The righteousness is given, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Grace is given to all who believe, but that same grace, that same allness, that same everyone has fallen short and sinned. Everyone, everyone, Mark, everyone, the Pope, Mother Teresa, the greatest person you ever met, even the guy who thought, I'm not going to sin, so I'm going to hide myself in the middle of the desert with no one around. On his own, he sinned there, I'm telling you, because that's what the Bible tells us. It's not that we once sinned once, it's this sin and we continue to sin. Why? I I don't know, but I can see it in my little children. I was born with angels. We were given angels, which are obviously, obviously I'm a pastor. Surely my kids are just going to be the delight of the world. Why do you think my wife is not here for the service again? Because my children were in the service for the first one. She said, I'm going home. I've got to take these kids home. But my little angels somehow find a way. I'm watching in the car in the rearview mirror. They don't know. And the little guy is sitting in the back seat, leans over to the middle seat, and just hits his brother on the head for no reason. Whaga! And I'm like, why do that? I'm sitting in the lounge. He doesn't know I'm there. I'm reading. He moves the, the chest quietly to the cupboard. He looks up. He climbs up on the chair. He reaches up into the box of Easter eggs, takes an Easter egg out. And I just say, what are you doing? And he's like, he just had to ask. It's these same little guys. It's, I go snuggle my little man in the middle of the night and I put my arms around him and my arm goes under the pillow only to find all the money that's missing from my wallet. 
I don't know about you, but I don't need to be taught how to fall short. I don't need to be taught how to break the law, even if I don't know what the law is. I just do it. You know why? The Bible says it was handed down to us from Adam. And um, Romans 5 puts it this way. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. The message puts it a little differently. I quite enjoy the version Eugene Peterson wrote there. He says, you know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death. It's like, thanks, Adam. It's like, we're in a dilemma now, and it's Adam's fault. Well, it is. That's what the Bible says. Maybe you don't know how one man could open up such a grave brokenness to the world. That's the gospel story. The question isn't, what, what do we do with it? It's not an issue of morality. The world likes to say, well, it's a morality issue. It's not a morality issue. It's a sin debt and a sin issue. Romans 3, again, all have fallen short. Every one of us have come up short. I do it every day, every week, guys. Oh, no, Mark, you're a pastor. I promise you. Every day, I fall short. Every day, stuff enters my heart. Things go through my head. I'm going, God. And Bible says, actually, a debt needed to be paid. A price has to be paid. That stuff that got stolen out of that cupboard by Jacques, who sat over there this morning with his kids and his wife, that stuff someone had to pay for. Another man says, actually, I'm going to pay for that. Don't worry. For my brokenness, my sin, and my death, Jesus says, I will pay, and I will hang on a cross, and my blood will drip all the way down to the bottom until it is drained from my body. Why? So I can redefine the boundaries of your life. That is the gospel. There, The price couldn't be paid with money. It couldn't be paid with time or community service. Jesus said, well, I'll do community service for them. I'll give up or goodwill. No more animal sacrifices. Leave the chickens and the goats alone. Just leave them alone. Because there's only one thing that can pay for guilty blood. is guiltless blood. And Easter is the biggest blockbuster mission this world will ever see. Because for God so loved the world, not the Christians, not those who were born into a Christian home or those who do it well, for God so loved the world. The guys walking from Goodwin to Tabuyu because they are high as kites. I've walked with men in this community, God gripping them out of addiction. I said, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. What does all right mean? Well, I'm down to three hits a day. And we laugh, but there's some victory in that for a guy who was on 10. And God gets involved and stuck into our lives because grace is so good. It's crazy love. It's desperate love. I'm a father. I'll do anything for my kids. Sometimes what would look desperate, a little bit wild, a little bit crazy. See, the cross and the challenge of the cross, it is bloody. If the cross to you is a sanitized picture where Jesus is lying on the cross and someone come and touched up his makeup, that's not the cross of Calvary. It was barbaric in its nature. And we cannot deny that. W.H. Auden says it this way, Christmas and Easter can be subjects for poetry, but Good Friday, like Auschwitz, cannot. The reality is so horrible, it is, so, it is not surprising that people should have found it a stumbling block of faith. You know, the challenge with rescue stories is the hardest people to rescue are those who don't know they need to be rescued. I had the privilege of being a lifesaver in Durban many times, and the water's warm, and people feel completely fine because they're not cold. It's not like Cape Town. They will literally walk and rescue me. It's like, I'm not even trouble. Get me out of here. 
help me from actually swimming. In Durban, they'll go out past the pier. Next minute, they're the shark nets going, I'm fine. The world lives like we're fine. And days like this and moments like this, the church rise up and we remember the cross and we remind people that there is a Savior hung for them. At the center of this Easter love story is the cross. The challenge is the cross has been watered down and whittled down to something so small. It's what rock stars put in their arm to look cool. It's what Christians wear often, not remembering the cross, but saying, if I wear this, somehow I will have favor and good luck in life. It is so much more than that. And if you are visiting today and and someone has dragged you to church with the promise of a 1kg lint chocolate at home, thank you for coming. But the highlight of your day is not a lint chocolate waiting at home. It is the promise and the possibility of a redefinition. See, the, the conception of the cross in the mind of God was there long before we ever needed. He knew. He foreplanned, foreshadowed everything. Our Savior Jesus, who we love to come at Christmas, and it's all baby Jesus, ooh, in a manger, stinky cow. We love that picture. This picture today is my Jesus born to bleed. That baby, birth of God, God comes to a womb of a woman, was born to die before the foundations of the earth. See, it's not about... Well, who put him on the cross? That question is easy. It's me. It's your sin. It's the all who sinned. That's who put him on the cross. The question is, what did it do for us? What possibilities do you open up? 1 Peter 1 verse 8 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Let's just stop there for a second. It's not with silver or gold or the empty things handed down to you from ancestors. Adam handed me down sin. I've got a friend. On his fourth birthday, he asked his dad for a birthday present. And his last memory is his dad punching him and breaking his nose. That same friend, years later, his dad said, jump. He was standing on a wall about three meters high. His dad said, jump, I'll catch you. And as he jumped, his dad moved away, broke his arm. What was handed down to that man? Not a great hand. Not a great blessing. My Bible says, actually not about what was handed down to me from my ancestors. Carries on, it says, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Yes, I got handed down a broken nose, maybe. Maybe got handed down a dad who let you down. Maybe got handed a really bad hand. But the promise of the gospel is Jesus breaks into that hand. Jesus redefines the story. Because there's a father who's on a rescue mission. He wants his kids back. I've got three simple points for you today. I'm not normally a points kind of guy, but I've been hanging around Gabe Phillips. So it's three simple points. The first one is the blood speaks. See, forensic science tells us that blood speaks. We, we run off to doctors when we get unwell, and, and some doctor sitting behind a thing with a microscope looking at a little dollop of our blood shaking on that microscope, and he goes, mmm, ah, mmm. 
And he tells you everything you know. You're stressed, you're tired, you need to eat better, you need to exercise, and you need to buy my vitamins. Those are what you get told often. Blood tells you that sometimes. I don't know, blood tells us other things like, actually, you watch the soapies. That's your dad. No, that's your dad. No, that's your dad. It's like somehow a blood test clarifies all these things that we have problems clarifying on our own. And our presence of our blood confirms our presence at murder scenes and crime scenes and realities. It's called our DNA. Blood speaks. It shouts out to us. If there's a lack of health in the blood years ago, um, I decided at the age of 32 I didn't need my tonsils anymore against the advice of my doctor who told me it was dangerous. And two days after I had my tonsils out at a funeral, my blood wells from here gushed forth blood for days. I'm not going to give you the details, but it was horrific. And I ended up having six or seven pints of fresh frozen plasma, which I'd never heard of the stuff until I had it, all to find out that that stuff has got nothing good in it. It just fills your veins and your body takes time to get there. And so for three months, I'm anemic. For three months, I feel like, gosh, what is going on here? Lay on a couch for two weeks, got to fall in love with the Tour de France because I couldn't do anything else. And, um, but I realized the power of the blood, if there's no power in the blood, I'm anemic. If there's no power of the blood of Jesus in my spirituality, I'm walking religion and there's no life. And I'm walking around going, gosh, this is hard. Christianity is so hard. I have to be nice to everyone. It's not the design. The blood speaks. And I want to take us to a story. It's of two brothers. The first two brothers we see, their names are Cain and Abel. I nearly named my boys them, but we went for other names. And... Um, but here's the thing, they were, it says that Abel, Cain despised Abel, his brother. He always did things better, his offerings were better. And so what ends up happening, and they're out in the field, Cain looks around and thinks, oh, this is the chance, Coop with a rock. Dead. Here's the thing, parents, and I'm part of it, we love to blame Facebook, the world, our kids' friends, Twitter, um, Tinder, uh, DSTV, or, or, or the world for our kids' sinfulness. These guys didn't have any of that. They didn't even have any friends. There was no Wi-Fi. I know, it's radical. Shame, no wonder they were grumpy. But here's the story plays out in Genesis 4. Please excuse my voice. I'm really struggling a little bit. But it's dusk. It's the end of the day. And, and Cain's killed his brother. So he says, look busy. You know the thing? If you're a parent, you know this one. I'm packing away. I'm tidying. Cain's just looking busy. We go to Genesis 4 and it says, Then the Lord came to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Now Cain's got to come up with a story. So, I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? It's not good when you get cocky with God. It's not good. Never ends well. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. What is he saying? He says, Abel's blood is crying out from the ground. It's crying out. What is it crying out? Vengeance! Justice! It's crying out. Blood doesn't just speak. It cries out. The challenge is, with sin and, and, and Cain's sin of killing his brother, the blood seeps into the ground, and that blood shouts out to a holy and righteous God. Here's the thing. We always think we can control our sin. 
that little lie to our wife, that little lie to this person, that little thieving from there, that little moment, that little, it was so funny, someone reminded me this morning, they caught me doing a U-turn. I said, do you remember when I rode past you and doing it? I said, oh, yes. You can't hide it. What does this say? It says the blood creeps into the crevices and the low points where we can't get to when we try to clean it away like those CSI blood scenes. We're scrubbing and we're scrubbing, but blood gets in where we cannot get to and from that crevice it shouts out accusations to us. Point number one, the blood speaks. Point number two, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And we get a picture, as Abel is this picture, his blood is a picture of a martyr, a picture pointing to Jesus, just a very small taste of Jesus. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood of Jesus. I put that in. That speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, I look at the story of Cain and Abel, and I think, obviously, I'm Abel. I mean, I'm really nice. I would never kill my brother. The problem is, I'm not Abel in the story. Jesus is Abel. I am Cain. Those nails were not some Roman soldier who drilled it into his arms and his feet and pierced his side. That was me. That was my sin, my shame, the actions I have done that I cannot deny and I cannot hide. And Abel's blood cried out justice and vengeance. You know what Abel's blood did? It exposed his brother Cain. It exposed it. Blood will always expose. You can't hide. But the blood that generally exposes, and we've got the saying, there's blood on my hands. You ever heard that? It's like, there's blood on my hands. Like Sarisha from my divorce two years ago. There's blood on my hands. The guy I stole all his stuff and I didn't know what to do. There's blood on my hands, the broken relationships. There's blood on my hands, the gossip I caused. There's blood on my hands, the U-turn I did on whatever road. There's blood on my hands. There's blood on my hands, the way I spoke to my wife. There's blood on my hands, the way I let down my kids. Let me tell you, I am a failure because there would be blood all over my hands exposing me. If Jesus' blood didn't speak a better word. See, the gospel reveals in Jesus' blood that the only way to wash off guilty blood is with guilt-free blood. The only way to wash off shameful blood is with shameless blood. The only way to wash off sinful blood is with sinless blood. And the Father, in His wisdom, in the foreknowledge before the foundation of the earth, knew that. The cross didn't catch Him off guard. And instead of Abel, who was just a shepherd, we get the good shepherd. He says, I will bleed for my sheep. What leader bleeds for their sheep? Abel says, who died a violent hand at the hand of his sibling. Jesus died at the violent hand of those he came to save. This is the gospel. It's not complicated. It's actually incredibly simple. The blood speaks of sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't like it. I'm not a blood guy, by the way. And everything, oh, Mark, just he's there, one of those blood guys. You should have seen me at my wife's first Caesar. I'm like, kids cut their fingers. Oh, not a blood guy. But there's one blood that has changed my life. The blood of Christ is the pivot of God's salvation plan. And I love the scripture from Romans 7. Because it speaks about me so much. 
So I find this law at work. It's a law. It's a fact. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Let's just, if we just stop there. there that's me. Maybe it's not you, but that's me. I find myself doing what I don't want to do. You wake up in the morning, and today's going to be a good day. I'm not going to get grumpy with the kids. But it's Easter holidays, and your kids are there, and at quarter to six, they are smashing. What is that cereal? Round loops, colors. It's like they're everywhere. How do fruit loops get everywhere? It's not possible. And I don't get angry, but you do. There's this waging war. There's a war. I'm a wretched man. But it carries on. Thank you, Jesus. Who, am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The blood speaks a better word. I deserve wretched as my definition. I get son because of one thing. The cross of Jesus Christ. And point number three, because I can't do complicated points, the blood of Jesus Christ speaks a better word forever. Maybe it doesn't seem that different to you. But the blood keeps speaking. And I want to read a scripture to us and explain it. But you see that blood? As Jesus hung on that cross, that blood began to drain out of his body. And it looked like our blood. It would have felt like our blood, but it washed down that cross and began to drain from his body and it washed down the cross into the soil and the earth would have cried out because the earth knew. And that blood gets into the lowest places. That blood rolled into the crevices. You think Jesus can't meet you in your lowest point? If his blood could get there, he can Hebrews 10, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take sins away. Understand this, that's us, outside of Jesus. Every day, I'm going to do the right thing today. and We do our religious duties and we don't do this and because we think the religious duties are to not do this and to not do this. Meanwhile, actually, Jesus, I want you to live life. I came to give you life so you can live life. And he carries on. But when the, this priest, who's this priest? Jesus. Had offered for all time. Oh, Mark, you don't know. I mean, I was saved last week, but this week you don't know what I did. Now read the Bible. Saved for all time. Had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You see, I come to the cross, and on a cross hung a man who redefined who I am. I come to the cross a, bra- a beggar. I come to the cross broken. I come to the cross wretched. And as I stand at that cross, he washes me with his blood and places a robe of, robe of righteousness on top of me. He says, actually, 
I know your journey to holiness is going to be one, but let me tell you who you are right now. As the Father looks at you, He doesn't see your brokenness. He doesn't see what you did yesterday. He sees Jesus' righteousness. And in that image, I am perfect before God. At the same time as walking out this holiness journey. And you could accuse me, Mark. Mark, you're, you're a... What do you, what's that word? Give me a word. Hypocrite. Good word. You can stay. More water for you. You're too serious this morning, Mark. But you could say, Mark, you're a hypocrite. Guilty. I did the U-turn. Everyone loves catching their pastor doing something naughty. <laughs> Stick around. You'll find it a lot. And uh, I'm not going to deny I'm on a journey to be like Jesus. But when the father looks at me, he doesn't see my attempts to be like his son. He sees his son in full perfection. And then says, I'm going to keep pouring my grace and my goodness on your life so you can go on that journey to become like him. For by one sacrifice, the cross, he has made perfect, who? His sons and daughters, forever, those who are being made holy. And I've probably got three minutes left of my voice, so I'm going to give it to you. But there's a thousand claims, a million claims against my life, and there's a million against yours. Of things you did wrong, thoughts you thought wrong. There's billions of claims against humanity. But one sacrifice. Settled every claim, every debt, every single one. That's the gospel. Oh, Mark, it's too good to be true. I know. It is too good to be true. When many people think of the blood of Jesus in a day, we're going to come and we're going to come to church and mourn. Yes, we closed up the windows. Why? Because it helps us remember. It's a little bit different for this Sunday. Just to, for a moment... To do something a little different. Oh, Mark, where is my electric guitar or the drums? No, don't worry. Because you know why? Sometimes we struggle when we don't mix it up to take time out to remember. I want to read you a quote by Fred Barlow. The cross of Christ shows us that God's love is of deepest descent. Universal distribution and of eternal duration. There's no two point too low for the blood of Jesus to go. Why do you think the Bible describes Jesus as the lily of the valley? Because in the valleys of your life, there is the sweetest fragrance called Jesus. And then he says, actually, of universal distribution. I hate to tell you, Jesus died for rich, poor, old, young, black, white, Japanese, Chinese, Siamese, I don't know. Everything. Is Siamese, that's a cat, eh? He definitely didn't die for cats. Um, pet lovers, relax. My Bible says, for God so loved the world. The world. That's why prejudice has no place in the church. That's why it's the church's job to bring the walls, the walls down. Because of universal distribution. And then, eternal duration. Maybe you don't, you fear about your tomorrow. Maybe you don't know what your tomorrow holds. I want to tell you this. Your tomorrow is secured in this image of the Father taking His Son 
The Bible says it was his will to crush him. You think we saw blood on the cross? We saw nothing. The father had to stand as it was his will to crush his son. Why? Because the weight of my guilt and my shame and my failures like divorce for Sarisha. Failures like drug addiction for year after year and discipline of people for shock. Will crush us. Why do you think men with millions in the bank and billions in the bank jump off buildings and commit suicide? Because there is a crushing weight of accusation that will not go silent unless the blood of Jesus reaches that voice, that life, that story. Isaiah 53, yet he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Why didn't he open his mouth? I don't know about you, but when people are wanting to put me on a cross, accuse me of false things. I open my mouth. I want to. Because he knew, even as he shouted those words, Tetelestai, it is fully paid. It is completely, completely, completely done. He knew that that might echo once or twice, but then it would go quiet. But there is a voice that still shouts, Tetelestai. Fully paid, it is the blood of Jesus that continues to wash, that continues to reach out, that continues to make broken people into perfected sons of the living God who are on a journey. He didn't need to shout. His blood always shouts. Can we close our eyes for a minute? Maybe have the band up. That's all right. just want to ask you a question today. It's a question the gospel demands us to answer. If you were in a court now, and like Cain's sin, the blood that you had spilt began to speak. The people you've wronged, the children you've not done right by, maybe. The bosses you haven't honored. Just all the things the law says, actually you're guilty. And here's the thing. We're guilty. If today was your court, your court case and the forensic specialist walks up and says, here's the evidence. There's blood on his hands. There's blood all over him. What's your answer? Or could I pay my way out some kind of blood money? No, you can't, sir. You need another answer. Uh, I'll make a plan. I'll get better. No, sir, that's not good enough. No, see, since the beginning of time, where there's been death, the only way, where there's been sin, the only way to get back to God is through death, through an animal being sacrificed. You need a sacrifice. Who will pay your bill? Who will pay your debt? Who will pay in full? I could entertain you for 20 minutes this morning. We can send you out to hot cross buns and chocolate and hot chocolate. But actually, I've got to ask you the question. Who's paying your bill? Maybe you were that four-year-old kid and your dad punched you in the face. 
broke your nose. Maybe feel like life's done that to you. I can't do much about that now. But I would ask that you would receive. See, here's the thing. Very often where people have had to work hard their whole lives, they really struggle to receive things from others. So often a rich man will pay for lunch, not because he's generous, but just because he doesn't want someone else to pay for it. (laughs) We think we can do the same thing. But this bill you can't pay, sir. This bill you can't pay, ma'am. It's too much. It's too costly. And I would like to give you an opportunity today to do something in response to crazy love. It's just to say, I want that love. I receive that grace. And those chains today come off. If you're here today and you're saying, Mark, I haven't received that grace. Maybe, here's the thing. Maybe you've been in church for 30 years. I don't care about church meetings. I care about the grace and the blood of Jesus that washes clean.